You are listening to Half Torah, the Shear series that explores the connections between the Parsha Shavua and that week's corresponding Half Torah, the Navi portion that's read with it on Shabbos. And as I mentioned last week in the series premiere for Parsha's Bereshis, the goal is not just to look at surface connections and find just the mere shout-out to where the parsha may be referenced, but to try to see if there's anything more fundamental, to take a little bit of a deeper dive and see really how the lesson of the parsha emerges in that haftarah, and of course to really understand that haftarah. And with that in mind, we're going to hopefully dive a little bit deeper than the waters of Noah. So what exactly do I mean? So for this week, which is Parshas Noach, the, the Navi portion that we read from the Haftarah is taken from Yeshayahu, just like last week. But this week, we look at Perak Nun Dalad Pasuk Aleph, that's 54.1, and it goes all the way to Nun Hey Pasuk Hey, um, 55.5. And this Haftarah is a little bit unique in the sense that it's, it's actually read more than one time a year. Um, and later in the series, we'll get to why that is. But in the meantime... When we look at the Haftarah, so the most obvious tie between Parshas Noach and this well-known Haftarah is the reference which the Navi makes here to the flood, the Mabel that took place in the times of Noach. And it's not even just a passing reference, but it's a very explicit reference. And I would say that this, uh, this reference is not just based on wordplay or anything um, that is, that's extrinsic. And you, know, you don't have to do very hard work to connect this uh, piece of Navi to the Parsha because the Navi references it explicitly. Because right? the Pasuk says, Kimei Noach Zosli, for this is just like the waters of Noach, that just as Hashem swore to never flood the world again in the times of Noach, so too, says Hashem, my anger won't forever flare against my people. Now, and there's really only one other passage in the entire Navi that even mentions Noach explicitly. It happens to be a vague Pusik in Sefer Yechezkel. If you want to do some you know, extra credit bonus reading, you can go to Yechezkel and look at Perak Yudalad over there, Perak 14, and look at Sukim Yudalad to Chaf 14 to 20. There, but there's another reference to Noach. So it's, it's, it's very fair um, to choose a, parash, a, a piece like a Yishayahu. Um, it fits the role, definitely fits the bill for what you would look for in a Haftarah, um, a, a Navi portion that references something from the Parsha. Now, perhaps some might ask a fair question as to whether or not the passing reference to Noach in this passage is enough to justify making the entire passage of the Haftarah for Parsha's Noach. Because similarly to what we said last week, we had one Pasuk in the opening of the Haftarah that referenced creation. So we said, okay, that makes it a good choice to read for the Haftarah. But if you think about it, um, if we, when it comes to Noach, you can ask a similar question that you have one or two psukim that reference Noach. We're going to read an entire chapter that would otherwise seem perhaps irrelevant. So last week we, we tried to see if there was more than just the reference to creation in the Haftarah, and we found a larger lesson, and we're hopefully going to do the same thing here. Right? So, again, the question is, you know, you have a very... Um, you have a very explicit reference, but it's one reference in the entire passage. So does that justify reading the entire thing? And could we not find a, a, another fair Haftarah choice? Right? Because if you, if you, if you, we could argue that maybe there's another piece of Navi that, um, that, that might have, you know, have a lesson that, that, that demonstrates the same points of the Parsha. So just to give an example, maybe it's not the best example, but say for Yonah, you know, in the Treyasar, he's a, he's a piece of Navi. And there's a lot of thematic and moral parallels with Noah. 
right? Um, and Yonah, we know, is, is, is it's an integral haftar on Yom Kippur, and it's definitely read in close enough proximity to Noach to make it seem a little bit repetitive to read Noach. But even if there are other stories in Tanakh that somehow capture Noach's story well, perhaps a fair counter-argument is that Noach is explicitly referenced, or he's explicitly referenced here, and so that connection automatically should make it win out. But then what is the message of the Haftarah? That's really what we have to understand, right? Because uh, if, if we wanted, you know, similar imagery, we have boats and we have rain in, in, in Yonah. We have a person who, you know, wasn't interested in, 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 in getting and, and, and saving all the people of his, of, of his generation. There are, there are a lot of connections. So why didn't we go that route? Or... Why specifically should we go with this passage from Yeshayahu? Maybe you're bothered by the question, maybe you're not so bothered by the question, but we should all definitely hope to figure out is what the Haftar is actually about. So what if I told you that Noah was not just a passing reference point in our Haftarah? And what if I told you that in this Haftarah, um, in the, the connection um, to the larger Parshish Noah is even deeper than just that reference to the waters of Noah? So that's what we're going to try to hopefully address. In other words, beyond that one line that explicitly references Noah, there are important key references that bring out larger and perhaps more fundamental lessons of Noah as a whole. So what would be those other Parshas Noah references that are hiding in the Haftarah? So in order to answer that question, we'll have to see some more of the text from the Haftarah. So while we are about to do that, we should also consider what role does Parshas Noah play in the Torah? Right, is, it just a, is it just a story that we're being told because it happened? Right, we know that the Torah does not merely tell us things because it happened, because there are many things that didn't happen. And we know that from Parsha Panorama, right, our first Parsha series that we did. We know that there's no single Sidra, no single Parsha that exists in a vacuum. Every Parsha is connected to the larger map of the Torah. And since each Sidra exists in a larger context of the Torah, where does Parsha Noach take us? So before we see the text, let's, let's actually talk about that question. So if we consider the spiritual decline that occurred towards the end of Bereshis, we could understand that Noah serves in a certain sense as Hashem's plan B for the world. So Hashem is apparently trying to start over. He wants to destroy the world after all of mankind messed up. And he's going to start through Noah. And through that, he's going to further fine-tune and develop mankind into what he has to become. But we know that after the Dor HaMabel, the, the generation of the flood, Noah briefly and quite unceremoniously exited the scene and, and with, the whole, with the whole story with the vineyard and, and, and being abused by his son. And then generations later, there was another flawed generation, the Dor HaFlaga, or the Dor HaPalaga, the generation of the dispersion. So apparently Noah's hurrah was very short-lived and perhaps was fundamentally lacking. This might, in part, explain why Chazal famously viewed Noah as having lacked something. Right? He wasn't as great as someone else, right? The Medrash says. And the Medrash goes out of its way to compare him to. Think about it, and we'll get to it in a second. Because what is clear is that although Noah is most certainly about Noah's contribution, right? Parshas Noah does not even end with Noah. It starts with Noah, but with whom does it end? To whom are we introduced at the end of Parshas Noach? And what is the point of continuity between Parshas Noach and the rest of the Torah? And we know that, of course, is Avraham Avinu and Sarah Imenu. And we know then they went by Avram and Sarai. So if that's true, then Parshas Noach really serves as a segue from the wicked generations of, of the flood and the dispersion 
to the righteous Avraham and Sarah, who would become who we know to be as the forerunners of Hashem's chosen nation. And in this light, we might suggest that no differently than the way history is really the origin of Hashem's people, Parshas Noach is really the origin of Avram and Sarah. And we can see this from the Haftarah. Where do we see it? Let's take a look at some of the text. The very opening Pasuk says, Rani akara lo yalada, lo chala. It says, Sing, O barren one who has not given birth. Break out in song and be jubilant, she who has had no labor pains. So, whom did these words remind you of? Who is the barren one who has not given birth? That sounds a lot like Sarah Imenu. And this Pasuk directly parallels a Pasuk at the end of Noah. If you look in Bereshis Yud Aleph Lamid, 1130, the Pasuk says, in lavalad. And Sarai was barren, she had no offspring. So what's quite fascinating is that the Navi is telling this woman who is barren to sing and be jubilant. So why? Apparently, as sad as being barren is, the Navi foresees some kind of hope for the barren one. Thus, the Navi continues to reassure the barren one in the simple context, the city of Yerushalayim, telling her to broaden her tents because she will not remain desolate, as the Psukim say, if you keep reading, in Pasuk Beis through Pasuk Dalad. says, broaden your tents. You won't remain desolate because what's going to happen? Her offspring would spread forth and ultimately inherit all of the nations. And that, indeed, as well, sounds like a reference to Avram and Sarah. They dwelled in tents, and they brought in those tents to accept guests, many converts, and as a result, they would ultimately bear the offspring who become none other than Hashem's treasured people. Now, if we continue through the Haftarah, the parallels to Parshas Noach run even further. For example, the Navi continues to say that although mountains move and hills may falter, Hashem's chesed endures forever. Right, you may be familiar with a song, an Eitan Katz song, um, to that effect. Um, I don't know if it was his originally, but he definitely sang it. Um, but in, in Nundalad Yud, Hashem says, the Navi says, Hashem's chesed never falters. Now, last time that I checked, mountains don't move, and at least they don't move visibly. But perhaps over thousands and thousands of years, they shift slightly, and it could be that the Navi's point exactly is that even mountains will shift ever so slightly, but Hashem's chesed, whatever that means, does not shift. And there is undoubtedly an important lesson there regarding the eternality of Hashem's chesed. But you know what? In the times of the flood, mountains might have shifted rapidly. We know that the highest mountain of the time, Har Ararat, was completely submerged in floodwaters. But at the end, the destruction stopped, and it was Hashem's chesed that allowed the world to start up again. The mountains may have shifted. The entire world may have been in disarray, but Hashem's chesed is going to emerge at the end. Now, in the very next verse after that, in Nundal uh, Yud Aleph, we have another nice flood reference. The Navi reassures that Aniyasara, the storm-afflicted one, that there will be good things to come. So we have reference to the storm. And then the Navi seems to possibly take us back to Avram and Sarah. As the Pasuk says, V'chol banayach limodei Hashem, v'rav shalom banayach. Right, Pasuk that we say in our, in our uh, Musaf davening, uh, um, and we say, and all of your children will be students of Hashem, and abundant peace will, unf- will ultimately be for your children. Um, we say that, um, I'm offhand, and now I'm forgetting if we say it at Mosef, we say it at Shabbos Marev. But either way, we have this Pasuk that says, and uh, that refers to Banayach, your sons, and Chazal, and the Gemara and Brachas, and Daf Samach Dalam and Aleph, they read it, don't read it Banayach, but Bonayach, your builders which is reminiscent of how Sarah actually gives a handmaid into Avraham, a shifcha, with the intentions of being built up vicariously through her. She said, and that we know that's going to come in next week's portion, Parshas Lecha. 
So we know that Sarah does not get built up through that union, and that, that Avraham and Sarah's true legacy gets built up by, their, by, by the true builders, who are going to be their progeny, their shared progeny, who are going to learn Hashem's ways. Those are the Bonayach, or the Bonayach. Now, as we've seen now at least a couple of key parallels between the Sidra and the Haftarah, we might be bothered by a new question. And that is, if these references are indeed speaking to our Sidra, then why is the Haftarah continuously switching back and forth between Noach and Avraham? And the following answer, if it's correct, is very monumental and very, very important. We know that Noach was a big tzaddik, right? We know that's the song. Right? Noach was a great tzaddik, a righteous individual, and this is undoubtedly true. And the Torah tells us this much. What's interesting, though, is that he's not the forerunner of Klal Yisrael. And by the way, not many people, if, if, if any, are in the Torah referred to as a tzaddik. He's the only one. And yet he's not the forerunner of Klal Yisrael. And Chazal and all of the commentators talk about what it was that Noach lacked. And many, as we referenced earlier, contrasted him specifically from Avraham. He, oh, Avraham did this. Noah only went this far, but Avraham went even further. Avraham davened for the people of Sodom, so on and so forth. The point is that Avraham and Sarah, not through mere righteousness like Noah, the way they, they, they were righteous, but through their exemplary toil for chesed and outreach, they end up taking the reward for generations that preceded them, and, they, and that's what leaves them with a lasting legacy. We don't really know what happened to Noah. We don't know much about his end. Again, very, uh, very um, unfortunate, uh, tragic ends that we see in the Torah. We don't see anything past that. And perhaps the back and forth in the Haftarah maybe is alluding to that contrast. Now, if we continue to consider the contrast between Noach and Avram, the two eras that are possibly being referenced, then the following next Pasuk that we'll read takes on a new significance. Because in the Haftarah, the Navi declares in Pasuk, in Parak Nun Hei, Pasuk Aleph, Hoi kalt sameh l'chu mayim, v'asher in lo kasef l'chu shivru ve'echolu, u'lechu shivru v'lo chasef v'lo mechir yayin v'chalav. It says, Ho, to all those who are thirsty, go and drink water, and whoever has no money, go and buy bread, and go buy it without money, and without barter, without any kind of exchange, wine and milk. So on the other hand, we have a reference to water, but not waters of destruction. This is a healthy water of chesed, a water of kindness. There's no robbery, as we found in Noach's era. Rather, there's apparently rampant chesed, generous giving all over the place. This was the quality that Avram was known for. Here, the two eras meet, and it's clear where one lacked and the other thrived. There was an era in Noach's Dorosov, the generations of Noach, generations where no one was giving but everyone was taking. And there you have the generation of Avraham, where Avraham is giving and leading the way in a world of giving. And if all of the above is in fact true, then what emerges is that there is another really monumental takeaway from this Haftarah and the contrast that is meant to be drawn between Noach and Avraham. If you look back at the beginning of the Parsha in the Chumash, Parsha's Noach begins, Ela Toldos Noach. But these are the progeny of Noach. Right, uh, you find that in Parak Vav, Pasuk Tess, and Bracious. Now, ultimately, Noach has progeny. And he has progeny with some degree of ease. We know that uh, Chazal say that it took a little bit of time. But when the time came, it, well, we, don't, we don't find that Noach struggled with barrenness. So Noach's progeny, they ultimately branch out into three legions of nations. And on the contrary, as we mentioned earlier, we know that when we are introduced to Avram and Sarah, 
they were the ones who were desolate and barren. We said that she could not have children. Everyone who preceded Avraham and Sarah, that means, had children. And yet at the same time, they all failed and they were all dismissed. Their children, their, their toldos, had no relevance and their legacies were ultimately lost. And yet, even in their barrenness, Avraham and Sarah were beginning to forge a legacy that surpassed every single one of their predecessors, every single one who came before them. They ultimately had children later, yes, but Avraham and Sarah didn't need offspring to begin that mission of becoming Hashem's people. That's why the Akara, the barren one, is able to sing Indeed, when describing himself, Rashi tells us that about Noah, that really the toldos of a person is not their children primarily, but it's their mice and tovim, it's their good deeds. Which is why when the Torah introduces Noah himself, it does not begin with the children of Noah. It says, Eila toldos Noah, and then it tells us Noah is tzadik. Right? It begins by telling us that Noah is a tzaddik. It doesn't even tell us about the kids until verses later, Shem, Cham, and Yefes. We know this about Noah, and certainly the same was true for Avraham, that his main children were there before he even had kids, and the same for Sarah. Certainly, then, Hashem's mission can be accomplished by everyone alike, even those who are completely desolate and barren, as it were, even those who are not able to have children at the moment. And as exemplified by Avram and Sarah, we see that sometimes even those without offspring can thrive where even the fertile will not. And we might conclude that there's actually a lot beneath the surface. Parshas Noach certainly is deeper than just the waters of Noach. The story of the flood and the boat and the rainbow and the animals but we, we learn so much fundamentally about what it takes to be the leader of Hashem's people. And you don't even need kids to do it. That's the first thing that we find out. You don't need toldos, at least not the physical toldos. You need the primary toldos of a person, the spiritual toldos. When we learn Parshas Nach, we can't ignore its role in the larger context and the lessons implied therein. It can't just be another nice, you know, another nice enjoyable story on the list of parshas, oh, what's this parsha about? Okay, this today's the story of Noah. No, it's about how Noah connects to everything else, and about how Noah, where yes, he succeeded, but in, at the same time, where he failed, where everyone failed, everyone who had kids and still failed, but the Akara, she succeeded. In this parsha, we find the groundwork for the main characters, as it were, a man and his wife a barren woman in Akara who set out on a larger-than-life mission to forge a larger-than-life legacy. And ultimately, um, as Hashem will see, how they teach us some larger-than-life lessons. And though those lessons emerge to become who we are, Klal and everything that we have to work on as we live in this world. But that takes us through what is hopefully an enlightening Parsha HaShavua, and of course it's Haftarah as well, and we should be Zoha to fulfill the mission of Avraham and Sarah as it begins at the end of Parshas Noach, and to understand that we have to pick up from that same spot where 
where Noah and all the other nations who failed, where they left off. And that is to do our best to have the toldos. And we should be zocha to have toldos in, in the very same sense that, yes, we should be able to have children. Of course, anyone um, who's suffering from infertility, um, you know, that, that's something that we, we should happen for them, that they should be able to have children. But also to remember that the Akara can sing out just because right now, she has the opportunity to do the most important of Oda Hashem. So she should be to do that as well. And as always, if you enjoy this year and others like it on the podcast, and you want to partner with us with a sponsorship, or if you have questions, comments, concerns, or recommendations, or you want to join the Database Podcast WhatsApp group for updates and links for every uploaded share, then all you have to do is reach out to me at thedatabase at gmail.com. That's the data than base, B-E-I-S, at gmail.com. Thank you for joining us here at the Database, and have an absolutely wonderful Shabbos.